buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 68. Today we're going to chat with NRA Board of Directors Tim Knight, make a prank call about a Christmas high peasy, and talk about the trigger cube. Today's panel is Big Moody Sean Heron, and I'm Ava Flannell. Oh, that's projection at its finest. Somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and suddenly I'm the moody one. Okay, but notice how I didn't put little moody. <laughs> I do notice that, yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm six feet tall. Okay, sure. <laughs> All right, before we do anything else, Manicore Arms. They're killing it with social media lately. They really are. Uh, They must have replaced somebody or they're definitely doing something different. A lot more pictures of their products in use, which I think is a huge thing. I I think it's really important, actually, is to see their products in use. Absolutely. And I noticed what? Unfortunately, we use their products a lot. Yeah. And I noticed that a lot of people are ranting and raving about the switchback charging handles. Yes. And that is uh, for the Tavor and the X95, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm, it is. Yep. I, I um, actually don't Also have for the Tavor. Scorpion. Oh, yeah. So one of the big differences is that the charging handle on the Scorpion, It uh, and I believe the Tavor as well, the stock one, it just kind of sticks out like a little a red rocket coming off the side. And what's cool about the switchback is it, it, it collapses down once the, once it charges. So you just basically grab it. It's easy to grab, pull it back, let that bolt go, and then it collapses down at the end. So it doesn't, it's not like a red rocket at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say red rocket over and over and over. Do you even, <laughs> do you know what that is, Ava? <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, you should look it up, but not now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Manticorearms.com. Ava, what's the coupon code? Gunfunny15, and that gets you 15% off. Things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with the Tim Knight. Tim, what is it that you do? Uh, cause trouble. <laughs> that's actually true. <laughs> that's why we. What, that's why we invited you on. <laughs> um, I'm on the NRA board of directors, and um, that is um, a complicated org chart. Uh, and I'll, I'll do my best to explain it. I'm elected by NRA members, uh, voting members, which is, you know, five, life members or people who have been five years or more. And I serve for a three-year term. I'm in the first year of my second term. So I've been on for the board for four years. And when I run, I make an appeal, uh, both in social media and everywhere I go, when I, which I'll get into for sure. And I make my appeal to NRA members, gun owners, people in politics, uh, shooting sports and hunting as to why I'm relevant to them or what I bring to the table. Pretty much like anyone who would run for public office, except that I'm at large. I serve people in California and Alaska. Doesn't matter. I specialize in grassroots politics. So Sean will remember in 2013, Colorado had some recall elections and Myself and one other guy started the movement, and after that, a lot of people, and we couldn't have done it without people of Colorado Springs and Pueblo and other places, chipping in to make a huge difference. But I learned a ton about engagement, actually looking people in the eye and making a difference, because social media is awesome, and we all do it. I get it. I have to do it. I actually somewhat enjoy it. But looking at gun owners, or in this case, constituents, in the eye and saying, hey, look, you know, we need your help. And then the conversation we were having right before we came on air was, 
getting people involved, telling them, showing them, hey, look, I need your help. Can you help me with this? And showing them how to do those things. That's what I specialize in what I bring to the NRA board. Um, other board members bring different things, whether it be legal experience or competitive shooting experience. And the members decide who and what what is important. And this last year, as every year, there are tw- usually 25 seats open for the board. The board is 76. I know my math seems funny right there because <laughs> 25 plus 25 plus 25 is 75, Tim. Uh, so I serve a three-year term. And so 25 people are up every year. If there are vacancies, someone died or someone got sick, sometimes there are more seats open. And that 76 seat is available um, for people who attend the annual meeting um, and have been members for 50 days. Uh, so it's all very complicated. Um, and it's kind of meant to be because the NRA and gun owners want to be represented by many things for many people. And there's supposed to be constant turnover in the board and opportunities for new people to join the board. And that is always a challenge. And some of the questions I get just to head this one off, I don't work for the NRA. I'm not an employee. I'm literally, it's complicated because we go to a meeting and people, I tell people, I said, my boss is in the building. They're like, whoa, who's that? And I'm like, you're my boss. I don't get it because I work for gun owners. I work for NRA members and people say, well, I'm not an NRA member. Cool. You're still a gun owner. I'm a gun owner. Let's go get some stuff done. So the board meets three times a year and and controls the long-term direction of the NRA and and board members and committee members. And committee members are people, specialized people in the industry or in gun collecting or whatever in certain committees that specialize in various topics. So like imagine this org chart exploding above or below you where we have 40 committees for all these different things. There's so much stuff we cover. And, you know, we have we have work to do in every single one of those areas. And people say, well, I want this in the NRA. Well, then I'm like, okay, cool. Then vote for that. These are the people who are appealed to you say, I'm relevant and here's why. Or, you know, you know, I want more competitive shooting. Then vote for competitive shooters. You know, I, I feel the NRA is neglected hunting. Okay, cool. Vote for people who express and show you an interest in hunting. Uh, that is what the NRA board does. And we hire and fire the uh, senior management. And it is a numbers game. You know, the senior management keeps their job based on the number of people on the board who are pleased with senior management. That's really what it cooks down to. I mean, I'm just kind of gave you the whole download. Yeah. Now, what questions do you guys have? Because I don't want to just assume that you or your audience just understood exactly what I just said. <laughs> well, first off, I want to start in saying that you specialize in grassroots and I would like to really define that for people because I think a lot of people say, a lot of people think, and this is myself included, that that we do a lot and that we are grassroots and that we talk about these things and that we share posts on Facebook and we try to bring things to a broad audience. But really that's, I mean, that, that's a part of it. But something that you do that I think is, it, it's one of the one of the things that impresses me most because it is the hardest thing to do and the most amount of work is that you fly to places that need help. Places that are battlegrounds, places that have things going on, you go there and you go door to door. It's easy to share a post on Facebook because you're not having to look somebody in the eyes and and defend your beliefs and try to explain why you believe what you believe. But you do that. You go and you knock on their door and they come to the door and they see a stranger there and then you engage them in conversation about whatever those issues happen to be. 
for me, that, that, that would be very difficult. Uh, that is not something that I'm built for. It's something that I'm willing to do, but it would not be great. How do you do it? Well, you know, I didn't know how to do it. I had to figure it out. But what I knew was it needed doing. So I kind of just jumped in the deep end. So what I did was in 2014, in the midterm elections that year, I one of the stops every fall, just so everyone knows my, you know, I I'm, I'm always traveling, but every fall, my, my travels look like the beginning of an Indiana Jones movie where the arrow moves across the map mm-hmm. and I go to different places. So in 2014, um, one of my stops was Iowa and I, I worked with NRA employees and people from Iowa to figure out how to actually knock on a door. And I had basically a door hanger tag and some talking points And I just hung around with them for 20 or 30 minutes and said, okay, here's how you do it. And then they gave me a map of homes that would be interested in listening probably to what I had to say. The data is not always correct, but more often than not, it's people who who have a hunting background or who were our members of the NRA or, or are affiliated with some sort of conservative group. Now, we'll talk about the targeted audience part, but... Yeah, Sean, you're right. Knocking on doors is not easy. I still don't like to do it. But this fall, um, I got on airplanes and, and I spent a lot of time in Missouri uh, for the Senate election there. And I knocked on doors there with uh, fellow NRA members and NRA employees for a couple of days. And it, it's it's awkward because you get those conversations where people answer the door and say, well, I don't like I, I love guns, but I don't like those assault weapons. And you want to have that conversation like, sir, nobody has assault weapons unless you, you know, you filled out paperwork, the ATF and did your tax stamp and whatnot. But sometimes they're interested in that conversation and other times they're just not going to listen. And and do you leave that person mad or do you leave that person understanding that they're, they're wrong, but you don't want to make an enemy out of them? That's tough because, you know, I want to sit down and go, okay, let's get coffee. Let's talk about this. And, and they don't always want to, and I need to knock on more doors. So it's kind of that firing for effect thing. But the thing that you really hit on is that social media is super important because we we spend a lot of our time in front of computers and we have these phones in our hands that go bing all the time, perhaps too much bing. Uh, but um, putting the personal back in the politics is the only way I know how to look people now and say, you know what, it matters this time. Really, I got to get you got to get out and vote. You got to participate here. And, and more often than not, when I actually engage in a conversation, we're educating each other because I'm learning about what's important to them and I'm sharing information with them. And I, I get talking points in the sense that these are some of the things that are concerning to uh, Second Amendment stuff and the candidates pro and pro and con. And, and you can't see it, but I have a, a door hanger tag and it usually has the pro and the con on either side. And that helps. But you actually have to have observed people, you know, done it, doing it for a little bit before you can get the hang of it. But it's probably, as the lady told me when I was knocking on the door in Missouri this year, she said, you know, this is really awkward politics, but it's probably the most honest because people ask me, well, why are you here? And I say, well, look, I'm a volunteer because I am, I don't get paid to do any of this. And that hits them home. They're like, well, most of the people who come to our door are paid. I'm like the power of me taking the time to do it and be an example for other gun, gun owners. So I'm nobody special. I put on pants. I put on pants right before we came on the show. Uh, but um, That makes one of us. I know. Yeah, I was just thinking well, that. I know because it's an audio. <laughs> Nobody's going to know. Uh, but uh, taking that time and learning how to do that was something I'm still not comfortable with, but it needs doing. And 
that grassroots politics is the thing that you really hit home when you started asking the question is yes, the social media part's really important, but what we need to start doing is taking the time to look people in the eye. And the way we're going to do that is before elections, knocking on people's doors. What it's going to do is take time. Like in Virginia, they have a lobby day and people will go there into the Capitol and sit down with their legislators and talk about what's important to them. That's a really cool tradition they have there. And I wish more states did it. Some states do uh, where people take the time and sit down with their legislators and in the, in the Capitol building and go, look, this is important to me. And I realize it probably means taking the day off work. I realize it means taking the time because protests or rallies are fun. They're cool and we should do them. But they're a lot easier to do in a group than they are when you're like, okay, I got to sit down and actually kind of know what I'm talking about and be passionate about it, but be respectful. So this person's going to listen because I can tell you people who don't necessarily think the Second Amendment or, or uh, you know, firearms or sports or hunting traditions are important are doing it and they're getting paid to do it. And unless we participate as people beyond the screen, um, it's not going to work. So actually what would actually, and this is a Tim tangent and you get that cause you got me mm-hmm. um, in 2020, it would be really cool if the two of you could come on the road with me for just a few days in the battleground state and we'll actually do it. That would be really cool. And I could show it and you guys could relay that we have tons of fun too, but it's straight up real politics. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely do it. It would be tough, but I'm more than willing to go out there and knock on doors and make a fool out of myself. And I mean, you do it already. Yeah. So yeah, but I don't have to look in anyone's eyes, but you're (laughs) glaring, judging eyes. (laughs) So you you know, and it's, it's the people you meet who disagree with you that you learn from. And it's the people you meet. Like when I was in Missouri uh, last year at shot show, I met Kevin Dixie really quickly. Um, and I was like, you know what? You and I are going to connect. And he's like, I don't know who you are. I'm like, that's all cool. I'm, we're going to hook up. And when I knew I found out I was going to Missouri, I reached out to him. And uh, he and I had, you know, broke bread a couple of times while I was in Missouri. And uh, what a great guy doing great things and making a difference in his community and, and beyond. And that's the kind of connections. The other part to this is that I said the be the example part is that I show other people, even in our industry, in our group, what I do. So they feel like they can participate, but I also learn from them and their perspective because Kevin shared some awesome stuff from a perspective that I probably couldn't understand until he showed me. So it makes me better at what I do. So if I go to Montana and get on an airplane to go there and drive around the state, which I did this year, uh, you know, you pull up to a gun counter there in the fall and they're talking about their hunting. They're talking about, I came in to buy a handgun today, which I thought this was a bad idea. I came in to buy a handgun today because I ran into a grizzly last week. My answer is, well, just don't go back to that spot. <laughs> um, you you kind of get to know the culture of where you're going by actually doing it. And that's why it's really important. Really important. So, you know, I look forward to doing it with you guys in two years and we'll plan that out. But, you know, Georgia, I, I, I live in Chatt- the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, and so uh, the, the state of Georgia is is in our metropolitan area. So I can be in Georgia in 20 minutes from my house. So that's part of it. So I spend a lot of time knocking on doors here in Tennessee as well because it's my home state. I, I participate here. But I, they had a really contentious governor's race in in uh, Georgia. So I spent a lot of time where in very northern Georgia where a lot of the politicians don't have the time to go or don't think it's necessarily as important. And and look, the most important thing is that I want everyone to legally vote. And I said that carefully, but I want them to participate. That's the first step. And then once they've done that, then we can branch out into, well, hey, you know, this was pretty easy. What else can I do? And one in 10 people might ask me that, 
but they do ask. And then I share, okay, you can write, you can, you can do this and you can do that. And I invite them to participate. And that's really ultimately as a, as a board member, what I do is go out and do it and then invite and show other people to participate. That's the only way now I know how to make a difference is to go do it. You mentioned a lot of committees. Give us some examples of what the board of directors do. Sure. I will get out the committee book so I can do that. It's a book. Um, It's a book. Yeah. The committees do everything uh, from like right now, there are 42 standing committees inside the NRA. I'll read some of them. Action shooting sports, black powder, bylaws, clubs, college programs, disabled shooting, education and training, finance, grassroots development, of which I'm on. Uh, gun collecting, hunter, hunter and wildlife conservation, law enforcement, uh, outreach, uh, which is reaching out to you know non-traditional communities. Uh, pick a group, you know people like well they don't look like us or they don't act like us. Cool, that's what that committee does, and they they take the time to do that. Uh, silhouette, shotgun, women's policies, um, and then they have a whole bunch of committees and subcommittees on top of all of those. Um, it's it's pretty extensive. And that is part of the reason why the board is so big, 76 total members, uh, and why we invite outside experts in some of those areas to participate so we can learn what they're doing, but also to have logic in what we're doing. Now, the NRA is quite large so far as the board is concerned, which means that perhaps it's not as nimble as we would all like it to be. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that it's a little frustrating. Definitely. What kind of, you mentioned frustration, like what are some of the things that, that are frustrating as a, I mean, clearly a gun guy, clearly a 2A advocate, but also board of director member. Yeah. The, um, the thing that can be frustrating is just that sometimes we don't feel like we're making a difference until, until we get into the field or see it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes, you know, we can overanalyze something. And that, that can be a problem. But what, what is the, the really good part is that what that may do is inspire me to get involved or to start asking questions about things and, and open up new areas where I see either concern or places I can contribute or where I can say, look, there's this guy out there and he works for Magpul and perhaps he should be on the training committee. And, and uh, Wayne Lip, Liptek is actually on, you know, the, now the chairman of the training committee and he went for a while was just a committee member. So that can be frustrating because sometimes you're like, okay, we're going to have another meeting. And, and, but you know, it's that, it's again, that personal connection. And we all have to, we don't always all agree internally. We don't, I would be the first person to tell you that, but externally we have to be pretty, pretty firm in our, like, I don't speak for the NRA. So anyone who's listening to this, I am not a spokesman for the NRA. That's quite clear. I'm 176th of a voice, but the voice has to be, because I'm in, can you imagine 76, you know, spokespeople? That Mm -hmm. wouldn't work. But the the frustrating part is that sometimes you want to say things or do things and and you have to be careful what you say. I have to couch uh, a lot of what I say. I'm not today, but I mean, uh, when I, talk to people, people assume, well, the NRA said, nope, that's what Tim said. But that doesn't matter depending on who's asking me the questions. If, you know, I, I could go to a, a, an NBC station here in town and I'd immediately get an interview because they're assuming they're talking to the NRA. Uh, and I have to be careful about that and who I talk to Makes because sense. people make assumptions. So that's, that's frustrating for me for sure. 
The really positive part about the committee thing, like I mentioned, is that it allows me to dig into things that I didn't know about or the NRA is doing a really good job on um, the school, the school shield program where the NRA is sent after Sandy Hook, Wayne LaPierre had the conference where he invited the press in and he said, we're going to do something about this. And ever since that conference, the NRA had did keep their word on that. They work with the secret service. They work with Homeland security. They work with DOD officials. They work with treasury people and they created a program called school shield and school shield has quietly been doing the work of security evaluations, teaching law that what they do is they kind of drop into a city or a town prearranged, of course, and get law enforcement officers to come and take this really cool course of which I've taken three times. I mean, I'm that much a fan of it. And, and I get to meet these guys who are doing these security evaluations for these schools. And they do everything from where the local train might derail and a chemical spill to what happens in an active shooter situation and what doors need to be reinforced. And then they present the schools with these really awesome evaluations. The problem then becomes is that Sometimes school administrators go, well, it's got the NRA's name on it, so we can't have anything to do with that. Now, the NRA itself doesn't do the evaluation. It trains the law enforcement officers to do it. And we've done, I know, several hundred now. But it's a it's a great program that also provides grant money through Friends of the NRA things, uh, dinners around the country, to provide, you know, better, better things for better locks for schools, security systems, uh, camera systems. So that's a program that's quietly doing good work. So everyone's like, nobody's doing anything about, you know, active shooters in schools. Actually, the NRA has, and it has been for years. I don't want to politicize it. They're just quietly doing it with the right people. And that, that is something that, you know, I dug in through the committee system to learn about that. And I took the pilot class and, and have hosted a class here in Chattanooga and uh, have attended several others and, and talked to the law enforcement officers. Is this working for you? What more could we do uh, to help you do your job? And that allowed me as a board member to really see what the NRA is to get some solid work done on. I was really impressed by that. So I know there's like a lot of 2A advocate organizations out there. What would you mm-hmm. say is the difference between those organizations and the NRA? That's a really good question. And I'll say I'm a joiner first. I'm probably a member of any organization that you're talking of besides Neger. Uh, I'm not a fan. They all, the NRA does a little bit of everything. They're in Congress. They're lobbying in Congress. They lobby in as many state houses as they can. Um, and that, that's a big thing there. They're active in many legal cases, but you're going to see other groups active pretty much solely in legal cases like our friends out in, in Washington state, the second amendment folks and, and gun owners of America is a, a group that's very fired up. They're kind of the tip of the spear in the sense of advocating for a, a no compromise, which, you know, I dig a lot, you know, I am a big fan. I don't think we should have to compromise on any of that, but I also unfortunately understand the reality of politics. I don't, you know, like you guys, I'm like, I'm not willing to compromise on any of it. So, okay, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And I look, I look for with any group, uh, including the NRA and, and everyone always has more work to do and improve is what can we do to get there? Cause making promises in big words, um, any group is capable of doing that. You know, what? no compromise, pound sand. Cool. I got it. How are you going to get where you want to go? And we look at positive groups of which I'm a life member of uh, the, uh, you know, a, a group in Kansas 
that has it's in 2006 they got concealed carry and in 2000 I think last year actually they got campus carry which means you can carry on schools um, college college universities and they have school carry where you can carry in schools if you're the right kind of permit holder they incrementalized in the other direction. Now we're used to, you know, they come and they say, well, you, you can't have that flash hider on your gun now. Uh, the boy, that's an awfully scary looking, um, you know, bayonet. Now the side note, I don't remember too many drive by bayonetics, but uh, you know, you know, so I look for groups that get stuff done. Ava. To answer your question is that nobody's perfect. I get that. I trust me. I get the, I get the input a lot. But I look for people who actually, you know, don't just raffle away a Jeep or give away a gun and speak strong words. What I look for is, okay, what did you get done? And again, I, I understand the input. I get it. I understand that some people definitely get upset with the NRA and the NRA cannot be everything or to everyone all the time. So I get that input a lot, but I look for groups who get stuff done. And one of the things that you guys in Colorado, as I'm intimately aware, there needs to be and there are, there are groups that get stuff done. Now, they may not get it done in the grand scale that we might like, but people keep saying, well, you know, where is the NRA? If I go to a state, uh, for instance, I, I worked a couple of years ago with some great people in Maine. Uh, we got we, we got Zimba up there who's an awesome friend and, and good guy. And I also work with the, the Sportsman's Alliance of Maine. And, and I went up there and explained why I'm there and how I'm there to help. And I earned their respect. But the really cool thing about it is that Maine is doing for Maine. They're sticking up for themselves. They've, they've got the state house. They're paying attention. They're doing it. Now, if the NRA or another group comes in and says, hey, look, we want to help you out, they're like, cool. We'd really appreciate it. That would be great. But they don't expect it. They want to earn those allies and friends. And when they come, they appreciate it most of the time. Um, and there are, are other groups in other states. So what I would say is like, if we look at a little bit of history, you know, people, people always remember Lexington and Concord and, you know, we kicked off, kicked things off that up there in Massachusetts, really cool. But you know, where they got some of the powder for some of those battles was in Connecticut. We need to remember that we need to stick for stick up for ourselves and have a, a local group, a state group, a state affiliate, a state second amendment group who's getting stuff done, who understands that, the way politics rolls is people like to take credit for stuff. Now, if the NRA comes into town and says, we, we did that, there's nothing to say that the group in New Mexico can't say, you know, we also did that. We're in New Mexico and we're proud and we're glad to have allies. Sharing the, the credit game can sometimes get in the way of, of success. And so look for results. Colorado um, doesn't have a strong Second Amendment group that uh, on a state on a statewide grassroots level, they've got some great people in the capital getting stuff done, but a larger uh, group outside and in, in rural Colorado is probably not represented as well as it should be. But um, looking for those allies who can show you what they did really super important. I, I kind of rambled there, but the point I was really trying to make is what's going on in Indiana uh, or or Idaho. It, expect and support allies who are getting those things done that you can see. It may be a couple of senators that they're trying to primary out, or they may be working on one or two bills. But if they're over-promising and just raffling away Jeeps and someone's got a huge machine gun collection, um, then probably they're <laughs> not getting done what you need done for you. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. Love it. We are talking to NRA Board of Directors member Tim Knight, and now we are going to hear from Hackett Equipment. <laughs> 
Ava. Hackett Equipment. I recently spoke with Greg, the one of the owners of Hackett Equipment, and they're actually looking for people that uh, like have gun stores or they go to gun shows. And if you want to sell their products, make some extra cash, contact them. All you have to do is email info at hackettequipment.com and uh, they'll give you all the details. All right, cool. We've we've uh, used their bags quite a bit. We just gave one away to our Patreons mm-hmm. and uh, I like a lot of their stuff. I especially like now that they're doing the FDE stuff, which, you know, that's, F- what is it? 50 Shades of FDE is the thing that I hear all over the place these days. Regardless, it, it's my favorite color. Yeah. I love it. It is. <laughs> and if you guys do find something there and you want to buy it, you're not going to pay full price. All you have to do is use the code GUNFUNNY20 and that gets you 20% off. Dang. Mm-hmm. Very cool. HackettEquipment.com. And we're back with Tim Knight. Uh, Tim, I've got kind of a, a an interesting question, uh, which I think people just really don't know the answer to. And I think that kind of getting clarification from you and your opinion on this but as a person, I'm out here, love guns, love shooting, thinking about the NRA. I think with the, the younger crowd, they might, they might have a bit of a bad rap. Some of it deserves, some of it undeserved. But just to be clear, when I joined the NRA, where do my membership dollars go? What do those kind of pay for? Do they pay for all the political stuff? Do they like just kind of how does that breakdown work? And then further, the NRA ILA exists. That's kind of where all this legislation and litigation come from. Uh, how are they separate? I think you know where I'm kind of going with this. Sure. Yeah. When you become an NRA member, you are contributing zero dollars to politics. That all comes through other asks, the annoying, somewhat annoying phone calls, the, the mailers that people don't like, personal, you know, people saying, and I need to pitch in my bit. When you pay your membership dues, you are paying for competitive shooting. You are paying for collegiate programs. You're paying for school shield. You are paying for probably three quarters of the committees on this sheet of paper, getting stuff done, you know, every kind of competitive shooting. That's what goes into that. The, and a lot of people say, well, I don't want, I don't want to do politics. Cool. If you're, if you're joining the NRA, you're actually not doing politics. I know the magazine's definitely express politics. They talk about politics. They encourage you to participate and be informed, but you're not actually giving any money to politics at all. ILA is a separate uh, sub-entity of the NRA that focuses where it can, both in, in Congress and in state houses and in legal battles, and it has a different legal status to be able to do so. So when we run presidential elections and whatnot, the NRA has to raise well north of 20 or $30 million to participate by running ads on television and getting field staff out uh, six to eight months now ahead of time on elections to participate uh, and get gun owners and gun shops up to speed with stickers and you know mailers and flyers and all that other stuff. All of that comes from additional funds raised. To your question about younger people not finding the NRA necessarily relevant, what I would say to that is is that I hear you. What what I need you and I'm willing to do it with you is to understand that your NRA is only what we make of it, just like Congress or just like City Hall. It's who you send to the NRA board. And some people say, well, I'm not I'm not going to become a voting member. Well, your the NRA is carrying a lot of weight and it may not be the weight carrying the weight you want it to. 
And if you want it to carry that weight, you have to participate. Now, when I talked about that ballot before, and I'm not up for elections, I'm not asking anyone about this year. But what I'm saying is that if you if there are five people on a ballot of 25 people, then only vote for the five that you're like, these people I see are getting done what I want to get done. That is the NRA that you have to vote for that to get that. Now, a lot of people are like, well, I'm really into three gun and I'm really into this or I'm really into that. Cool. Vote for that then. Part, you know, that's what you want. Then participate to that level. The NRA can, I, I work with the directors that the members elect. And I know that sounds like a roundabout thing. What I continue to do is try and be relevant to show people why I believe the NRA is relevant. And I invite them to participate with me. And they're like, wow. So Tim, what you're saying is I can join, I can get a lot of information from the NRA. But it's not a proxy for my rights. No, it's not. When I show up places, people are like, cool, NRA's got it. I'm like, the NRA doesn't got it. Um, we need you to participate. And that is a – I'm trying to change that and that I'm inviting younger people to do that. It's to say, look, well, I don't think that the NRA matters. Okay, well, then let's matter together. Let's get involved together. Let's knock on doors together. Let's sh- show me your hunting tradition. You know, Take me to a competitive shooting thing and show me why that's cool. Because exposing me to that and letting you know that I'm interested in what you're doing is how the NRA changes. That's that's how it happens. Yeah, I, I agree. So I always, uh, just as a follow-up here, I always talk about how, in my opinion, I think that the NRA is the gun owners, the Second Amendment advocates, the AR-15 lovers, the, the hunters. They are our biggest lobbying arm. Uh, I think that there's no one that comes even close to the lobbying power that the NRA has. And the plain and simple fact is we have to fight fire with fire. We have the anti-gun people and their lobbying game has tons of money behind it. They, they have gotten really clever over the last decade, but even more so over the last probably four or five years. And I think lobbying is incredibly important. I say the NRA is one of our biggest lobbying arms. And I say that most of the other uh, organizations out there that are advocates for the Second Amendment are more uh, into the, the litigation part. And that's not to say that the NRA doesn't litigate a lot, but I think lobbying is one of the things that we need more than anything else. And, and propagandizing is even another word for that. Would you agree with that? And if I'm if I'm right, what do you think of that whole thing? And if I'm wrong, how am I mischaracterizing? No, you're, you're not wrong. Um, well, you know, what the NRA is going to do is uh, – We'll pick Tennessee. They're, the tenor, NRA is going to have a, a continuing relationship with legislators in the Capitol, and they're going to know when a bill comes up what uh, what's in, what's important to the NRA, and they'll have talks to the legislators and their staff and figure out where people are going to go. And it's really important to keep that constant connection there. I mean, and right before an election, if you ask a state senator in, in a state that tends to be more pro Second Amendment, pro gun, you're going to hear those senators go, yeah. I, 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 I'm well aware that my constituents get those little orange cards mailed out. And that's the power the NRA brings is not the building in Virginia. It's important. We hire people from that building for sure, but it's the gun owners around the country that get the card and the, and they know that. But what I would say to that, Sean, also is that it, yes, that's super important. Everything I just said, but what Michael Bloomberg is doing is he's paying 30 ladies to go sit in a Capitol building in a committee room all dressed the same, showing up two hours early in that committee room, all wearing the, you know, the orange shirts and they, they take the front rows and that's what the legislators see. And then the NRA sends their, their lobbyist in there and, and they've got some pre-testimony and they, they share and they talk. But what they're not seeing is that 
engaged member beyond the guy who retired from the Air Force and hasn't let extra time or someone who owns a business who says, look, I, you know, I employ people in this industry and this, that this is what I need. I, you know, and, and this, I, you know, these laws are important for this state. That further engagement, the NRA provides the platform, provides the knowledge and the constant contact with these legislators at the state and national level. What is needed beyond that and where this needs to change? Because you're right, the other side is way up their game. New Mexico a couple of years ago, um, they, what they do when they have their committee meetings is they have, they pass around a list of people who testify and you sign your name and like, I want to testify next. Well, somehow that list got lost. And nobody knows where the list went, but the last person who had it was wearing one of those other colored shirts. So, you know, we have to be so on our game and that's hard to do. I mean, I know you guys have busy life. I know I have a busy life, but how do we show people how to go do that? One of the other things I'm working on is a project that I'm actually going to talk with you guys off air about about how to actually show people how to go park, how to go to your Capitol building, what to expect when you get there, how the committee system works in each one of the 50 states so that you can go testify and how to do it. So you could go to the website and, and plug in, okay, I'm, I'm going to uh, Mississippi. What do I do when I go to the state Capitol? And now in like Colorado, at least it could, so don't anyone take my word for it. You could check your firearm before the metal detector when you went in the Capitol. Don't know if that's the case anymore, so don't say Tim Knight said. But um, – you know, knowing those under and understanding those things so that people can participate and then showing people testimonies. Hey, I went to my capital in uh, in Nevada, Carson City, and here's what I experienced and here's where I parked my car and this website helped me. Anything I can do to encourage people to go participate, I'm going to try and do and work with people to do. And that I, I, I the NRA does their part and they're an advocate for you but they're not a proxy for you. And that's where this needs to change. So the NRA is very important in that sense. And I think your assessment of who's doing what on the, on the chessboard, as everyone likes to say, uh, is, is correct, but we need more. Yeah. All this talk of checkers and chess and I'm just over here. Mm -hmm. Like I want to play connect four. Yeah. Connect four. Or is this a big game of risk that we really don't even understand? (laughs) I think that's probably what it really is. (laughs) Tim, you also mentioned before we started the show that letters are extremely important, which I actually did not realize. So I kind of want you to talk about that a little bit, why it's more important than if someone were just to call, you know, the representatives and make and tell them what they want. Yeah, no, Sean and I were discussing this and, and Sean, I hope you follow up with that. Um, it, one of the things is that when you take the time to write a letter and you can do it on your keyboard, print it out, and s- slap a stamp on it and send it, is that staff have to open that letter. It's going to be read. So you're, if, even if you're living in New Jersey and I'm like, my legislator's never going to hear from me, make them hear from you by taking the time to pay staff to open the mail to realize that this is important and that your voice was heard. Now, visits are important. Emails are great. You know, they used to do a whole faxing campaign. Cool. Take the time to make them dedicate resources to listening to you. So the stamp is still super valuable. And taking that time is, I tell you, one of still one of the best, like with door knocking, still one of the absolute best ways to do direct politics. Absolutely. Thanks for asking that question. So kind of changing the subject a little bit, and I don't know if you're going to know this, but um, I know like Kerry Guard uh, has been gaining momentum and they're qualifying, you know, NRA Kerry Guard instructors now. What is the difference between just a regular NRA instructor and an NRA Kerry Guard instructor? Only someone, per my understanding, the original carry guard cadre of instructors were all people who had uh, served in the military 
and that was one of their original requirements is that that people who had been downrange of the people who were teaching these classes. And as they spread out and start educating people, they're looking for a certain type of instructor. Uh, you know, the difference between an instructor and a teacher is that you know, who are they? Are they just going to share the data or are they going to take the passion and time to say, look, you're, you're not quite holding this right or you need to move your thumbs forward or perhaps you're gripping it too tight and taking those little extra steps. They need to see that in person. So it's not, it's not, uh, from my understanding needs to be a bit more advanced in the, the diagnostic and understanding of, you know, gun problem solving and things like that. That is my understanding so far as carry guard. I don't actually know much more than that. Wait, so is that replacing the, the what, 10,000 other NRA instructors? Is it, it, like- it, it, it isn't. It's, it's an additional certification, as it were. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Per uh, my understanding. I am going to recuse myself from asking any more questions about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, recuse me too, because um, uh, although that's an NRA program, um, I, for, for, for my needs, have chosen a different product. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, that's... That's okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I have second call defense, uh, and they, um, by an, by who is a company, as you guys well know, uh, is, uh, it's Sean Maloney's company. And I don't want to be, have to afford to be paid back. And I, um, I think that, uh, I have a different opinion on carry guard, probably very similar to yours. And uh, we'll leave it at that, but I have a different product for my needs. So I want to, I want to talk. We've talked about Tim, the grassroots guy. We've talked about Tim, uh, the NRA board of director member. Let's talk about Tim, the gun guy. Hmm. <laughs> I, I know the answer to this. Ava knows the answer to this, but like talk about what kind of shooting, what kind of guns you like, what kind of guns you use, your favorite stuff, just all that good stuff. I'm an, an AR and an AK guy. I like rifles a lot. Um, my idea of a really good time is to go to Thunder Rancher or a different school and just take their rifle class. I have tons of fun doing that. You know, rifles at long ranges is, is tons of funs, but, but fun. But rifles at pistol ranges is also tons of fun. You know, ho- holy advantage, Batman. Uh, you know, that's the way to do it. Uh, so I spend a lot of time when I get it. I try and go to a couple of courses every year to do that. And um, right now, and I know, you know, because I listened, of course, to your, your shows and whatnot. I, I when I stand around with a rifle in my hands for hours on end, and you think, okay, this is cool. Um, but it weighs seven and a half pounds when you're extending it out all day long, it, you know, the season you're safe and that's cool. And if you're varmint hunting and whatever, but I am recently become a guy where I'm looking to make improvements on weight. If I have to carry it, I don't want to go to the point where it's delicate and finding that fine line of delicate and, and, and still robust, but taking some weight off. And I realize that when you start talking about ounces, you start talking about a lot of money, uh, so I've been slowly going through my ARs and, and taking weight off where I can and still still keeping the manual of arms the same and doing that. Uh, last year, I went out and built a AK at Rifle Dynamics yeah. and had tons of fun doing that. And I've realized many years ago when somebody said, you know, this is really cool. I need the AR platform. Uh, you should know that and do that because that's our gun, which is cool. And, and I, I prefer that. But I also, like you guys, have been going down and, and doing a quest on the AK because it's the most popular, most common rifle in the rest of the world and and, and the world as a whole. And I've, I've, I've taken a new appreciation for AKs and what they're capable of and, and their strengths and weaknesses. That's what I like to do. I actually... 
I like to shoot sporting clays. I, I like uh, would love the opportunity to do some more hunting. I, I like to pull triggers. I'm a trigger puller. I really like it. Now everyone makes fun of me because I'm a I tend to be a SIG guy and, and I'm a double, double single action guy, but I've, I've been experimenting with the striker fired uh, guns. I have them all. I participate. I love all kinds of guns, but um, um, I'm starting to experiment with some smaller, like the SIG 365. I've got one example now. I've got 1200 rounds through it and it's yet to make an error or a mistake. And I probably will shortly be carrying it. Um, so I'm a shooter. I, I am pretty much, if you're looking at me, I have at least one, probably two firearms on me. Um, and you know, if, if we were all to get together on a Saturday, I would take my suppressors and my SBRs and we go out to the range and, or shoot my, um, uh, last year when we were at Chot Show, my wife who went along with me saw the Atlas defense, uh, Velociraptor, the SBR that's yes. an integrally suppressed AK. And she's like, you should have that. And I, I everyone around the booth shaking their head like, yes, your wife <laughs> gave you permission to get that. So, um, we would go take that out to the range and, and do that. But, you know, I like bolt guns at 1200 yards. I just love to shoot. It's, I grew up doing it. Um, and I kind of took it for granted until, until somebody said in Colorado back in 2000, early 2013, actually, we're going to come after parts of this and, and we don't want to do it any, you know, you can't have that extended magazine. And they were talking about, you know, possession of transfer stuff and universal background checks, which did happen. I was like, none of this makes sense. This was kind of my, what I did for fun before. And all of a sudden it became what I did because somebody was trying to take away parts of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right, Tim, I, I love it, man. You're going to stick around for a bit, right? Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm here with your, your guys' party. It's good. <laughs> You're here sitting there with all of your, like, 12 cats. Yeah, I got the For cats, those who you... don't know, Tim looks like he's a bit of a cat lady. <laughs> I, guess you, I guess you missed the uh, the German Shepherd then, huh? Nope, I saw, I saw him. Okay. I didn't. I, I've been looking at your cats all the time. I'm like, that, that cat's pretty. Yeah, that cat's so cute. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Equal opportunity around here. Where can people find more information about Tim Knight online? I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's Timothy Knight NRA. I like to do that. I'm also pretty active on Facebook and it's at Knight, the number four NRA. That's my public figure page. And I share kind of what I'm up to. And I do have a website, which I'm going to work with a developer to make sure that that is a place where people can see kind of what my long-term goals are, what I'm participating on, the path that I took and where I'm going. And that's www, obviously, uh, night, the number four, nra.com. Nice. Okay, cool. Absolutely love it. All right. Let's go ahead and, uh, wow, man, prank calls. Tim's my friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be embarrassed again as usual. I love this part. <laughs> I know. But first, let's talk about Matador Arms. So you wanted to talk about their hammerhead. Yep. So I haven't actually used it. The flare stack, I believe, is I the think one we that I have. have I think I might have the hammerhead. I think we just put it on my AR not too long ago. So regardless, first off, their products have cool names. Second off, their products actually work really well. So I was watching some videos the other day off their Instagram page, and their muzzle devices, pretty quality stuff. When I look for a muzzle device, I look for something that basically keeps me on target. And they are absolutely doing that. And the best part is incredibly inexpensive, high quality, and we love that company a lot. And it comes in eight sizes. Eight sizes? Yeah, there's eight available sizes. Small, medium, large, extra large, double XL, triple XL, four XL, and five XL? You named it. Dang, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a lucky use, guess. <laughs> use the code GUNFUNNY10. That gets you 10% off. MatadorArms.com. 
It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! <laughs> Good afternoon. How can I help you? Uh, yes, hello. Uh, I've got some questions about a gun. Do you think you could help me, please? Yes, of course. Okay, great. Uh, my son, he wanted a firearm for Christmas, and um, he was. I was just trying to find one. He said, like, a, a high point, I, I believe. We don't carry high point, only uh, we can get it for a special order for you. We can order it for you and have it in here, like, in three days, but we don't carry high point. But it's a really good gun, right? He said it's really awesome. Well, um <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it, it depends. Uh, the owner here, uh, they don't like your high points, they but don't... I don't know why. <laughs> oh, they don't like them. Uh, do no. You, do you think that? Uh, do you think there's something better though? Yes, of course. Glocks are better guns. Clocks. Glass. Glock. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, Glock. Glock. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what is is that? Uh, how, how's it better? Is it like a bigger bullet or something? No, um, there's a better quality of the of the materials, and also you can get a um, lot of spare parts if you have something broken, any any inside part or whatever. Okay, great. And then, do you think that the Glock would be appropriate for a sixth grader? For a sixth grader? <laughs> yeah, the, my son's in sixth grade. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's a, I, I don't think he he can get a gun in sixth grade. He well, must be a, a 21 years older. 21? Oh. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I just didn't know that. Uh, and he can't get a high point in sixth grade either? No, <laughs> any firearm. Oh, okay. He cannot get any firearm. Is that one of those new laws in Florida? No. was 18 until uh, February this year and then changed it to 21. Oh, that's ridiculous. He's really responsible. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much. I'm going to go break the bad news to him. It's just, this is going to be an awful day in our house, I think. All right, no problem. He's got anger issues. Okay, okay. have a good day. You too, thank you. Bye. Uh, well, Tim, sorry. <laughs> Sean, do you have some internal broken parts? <laughs> I think so, yes. I'm crying on the inside right now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, she was very nice, as everyone always mm-hmm. is. A and sixth grader? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> anger issues. He's got anger issues. Yeah, let's get more. But let's he's really responsible. Him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just threw that in at the end. I don't know what my problem is. I, I, I okay. think perhaps you uh, are too, you know, your, your son's friend and not being a parent. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yep. Just saying. I, I need to get my crap together. Somebody who does have their crap together. Oh, what a segue. Polymer 80. I like Palmer 80. I like them too. They've been posting uh, a lot of different people's, I guess you'd say they're assembled. And I just saw Adam Kraut. Tim, you know who Adam Kraut is? Yeah, Adam and I are good friends. He recently took the new CL frame, which is the, essentially it's like the 19 grip with 17 slide. Um, But he put a 17 long slide on it. I think it's a 17 long slide. It looks pretty long. It's like a red, it's, it's like, like a red rocket. Huge. It looks a little longer than the 17 long. <laughs> so it looks, I mean, but it's pretty cool. It's like interesting to see what everyone's doing with their, with their frames and uh, all the parts that they're adding. And like, that's just kind of what makes it so cool. It's like, you could really do 
you know, so many different things and really make that gun yours. Yeah. You're I, looking for it right now. I you? am right now. Cause I didn't see it earlier and he's feeling left out. I know. I want to see this long slide. Uh, it's pretty cool. I actually, I, I'm not a Glock person, although I dig it. I mean, they work, they go click bang and they're awesome. And they're well-made. Uh, I would do that project that got me thinking, Hmm, time for a project. So you guys may have to click this link and buy some stuffs. Yeah, there you go right there. And so I've got several polymer 80s. I, I really do enjoy them. They're, they are a fun project. Okay. I see it now. You see it? Yeah. I, I mean, just, what do you think that is? Uh, it's like longer than, I mean, it, it says is, it's, it's 17, 17 L on the slide, yeah. but it just seems so much longer. Yeah. That's what they all, that's what she said. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, it is really cool to see what everyone's doing. If yeah. you guys do put together something, make sure you tag gun funny. We want to see it. We'll share it. Tim, if you go on their website and you use the code GUNFUNNY, that gets you 10% off. A stocking stuffer for myself. I could do it. <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go. go. Exactly. <laughs> you don't even want to know how many things I've bought for myself. I know. <laughs> like, I don't care. Glory. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. All right. Let's talk about some gear. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Tim, you wanted to talk about the trigger cube made by Keybar. Yeah. So I actually have a rifle near me pretty much a lot. So when I, you know, at night I I have a rifle in my bedroom and during the day I actually take that and secure it in another place in the house. So Keybar makes this trigger cube and it's, it's a a cube you can, and I have it drilled into, I have several, but I have it drilled into a piece of wood that I, in my, in my closet which is a locked sealed room. And so I can take the, uh, the top sling mount off on my rifle and hang that. And then I use the sling mount, the sling mount to connect to the, and help me out here guys. Cause you guys do the words a lot better than I do, but um, basically there's, it's a trigger yeah. on the wall that's controlled by little ball detents that grab that uh, sling mount and hold the rifle against the wall or whatever you'd attach it to. And if you want your rifle off the wall immediately or quickly, you just pull a little, little trigger and off it cut, you know, you can grab it right off. And it, it's, it's pretty slick. Um, I think Christian Green designed it and Keybar is making it. And, um, I have four or five of them now. And I think it's a really great way to, if you're moving rifles around or, you know, you're, you're about to work on something, you want to put it against the wall to remind yourself or you're about to go out the door and you want, I mean, some people live, live in places where you can walk out the door and you have your AR right there by the door and you're going to go out. It's a really innovative product. Yeah. And uh, I like it so much. If you guys don't have one, I'm going to send you one. Yeah, I actually saw could these. You, could you send us one, please? <laughs> uh, I'm going to send you one. Done. It could be like, you know, Hanukkah gift. It, 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 it could be this one right here. All oh, my gosh. And we'll be like, yay, and I'm Tim touched it. Him. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll send this one to you guys. Uh, so I saw these when they came out. I thought they were actually really cool. And it, again, it is. It's just a cube that basically you screw into a stud or wood or, or whatever it happens to be on a wall. It's got the QD, except it, it it's a cube in the, on the very bottom, that tiny little trigger. But what I... The reason I'm bringing that up is because when you go to grab like the handguard of your rifle, your as your hand wraps around it to grip it, it will engage that trigger if you grab it in the right place. And then just basically pulling off pulls it off. So it's a really quick deployment. Uh, if you keep it like in your bedroom, keep it just to keep it off the floor, keep it in the closet, keep it behind a door, like whatever it happens to be. They they are they're pretty cool little idea. 
They're pretty well priced, too. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Sean Heron using the words. Right. So (laughs) so good. So good. Um, I'm going to send it to you. I got a couple extras because I I like them. So I'm going to send you guys one of these party favors and check it out. Yeah, I I recommend that people who move rifles around, like you said, keep it off the floor. Um, ARs can, you know, and Ava pointed out the cat. Actually, I think you saw a couple of them. But, you know, stuff gets in there. So keep it off the floor. But it's also super handy. It's a really neat mechanism. And um, there are some videos where people are, like, twisting it around and whatnot. The thing does not – if you secure it correctly, it does not come off. They did a really good job. I mean, also, if you read that book, How to Talk to Your Cat About Gun Safety, you wouldn't really Uh, have that issue. But Okay. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The German German Shepherd is actually trained in that. She has eyes and ears for the range. Perfect. But – the cats, you know, they're a little indifferent. They don't really care so much. So we had to have a conversation. Good. That is good. Yeah. That is definitely good. So these are right around 60 bucks. Yeah, yes. depending if you need that, if you need the quick nut or not. Yeah, the quick nut is another product that Keybar recently came out with. And basically it's a magnet on a keychain and two of them kind of go together. So you can have one on your keys and then just quickly pull it off. And they have one that adapts to the quick cube or the trigger cube as well. Yeah, it's a good way for storing extra keys if you want to, you know, like keep your emergency spare keys or whatever, or make it harder for the kids to get. It's it's a really innovative idea. I like it. I don't. You guys are gonna have to get your own quick nut, uh, <laughs> but um, I will send you the cue. Done. That's awesome. And and Sean, since this is my show, I technically get it. So yeah, I'm gonna have to put care of not Sean Heron. <laughs> Wait, she Howie. takes all the stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, I think you is, two are going to have to work that out. There's management, then there's upper oh, management. We just, yeah, we, to work that we out. just worked it out. Like, I get it. So, <laughs> no, this, this is bullshit. All right. Why don't you just read the <laughs> iTunes reviews? All right. So, it is time for our iTunes reviews. Uh, some good ones, as always. I guess I'll just start it off. First off, Cutthroat Rick, five stars, first ever podcast review. Until recently, I had been an intermittent listener since episode one. I'm not intermittent anymore. It took the interview with Michael Bain to get me to post a review. Wow, that guy's amazing. Here are the pros. IMHO anyway. I love witty repartee between Sean and Eva. They could not be more different, but they have a ton of chemistry. One thing, I can't figure out the exact nature of their relationship. Are they a couple, friends, or are they simply just a well-matched pair of hosts? (laughs) That's for us to know. There's nothing distracting, but I am curious. The guests are a varied group who tend to be very interesting. I like the other segments as well. Gear Talk is usually worth a listen. They have great senses of humor. Now for the rest. I sadly have to confess that the prank calls aren't my cup of tea. Oh, man, I don't have that sound effect. I was going to play the sad tom- trombone. Wah, wah, wah. Yep. Nothing against them, but they're not my kind of way to get a snicker. I think he needs a Snickers because he's hangry. I think so, too. Give two or three shows a listen and see if they don't grow on you as much as they did on me, like a like a fungus. It will grow. <laughs> so thank you, Cutthroat Rick. Uh, next, by Falisha. Five stars, much better. I've been listening since the beginning. At first, I wasn't so sure, but Ava has improved and found her podcasting mojo. As for Scene, he has a face for podcasts, but his prank calls are pretty funny sometimes. Well, thanks for that, Bone. Uh, I do like how industry professionals are brought on and asked relevant questions. When is Tech Tickles going to be a co-host? Her prank calls would be epic. If you're looking for a decent, almost normal <laughs> firearms podcast, Gun Funny is worth checking out. Come on, episode 171. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Lana, five stars. Since you need some iTunes love as well, awesome show. Ava's great. Sean is okay. Haha, no, he's good too. But honestly, I stopped listening to the other podcast because I'm catching up on this one. Plus the discounts are better. Love all the people from the industry they have on. It's awesome to hear from the different companies. You kind of feel like you know them once the show's over. The prank calls are hilarious, but honestly, I want to hear more from Gertrude. Love the buying ammo instead of milk and eggs. What an ungrateful husband. Haha, keep up the great work. I also became a Patreon. I suggest everyone else do the same. 
All right. right, So it's that time. So Tim, out of those three, who should we pick for a winner? Hmm. I don't know. I think... I think the come on 171s, I, I, I'm going to have to go with by Felicia. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. All right. I like it. Yeah. Tim, Tim Knight has spoken. If that Ooh. is you, send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, wherever you can find us. And we got a little something, something for you. Yeah. Exactly. Sean's pubes. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Jokes on everyone here. I don't have any. <laughs> I'm okay. The magic of lasers. I was gonna be like, "Hey, do you want to grab lunch after this?" But I'm not even hungry anymore. Not, not hungry. I'm done. Yeah. This is how I lost eight pounds. <laughs> all right, guys. So we're gonna wrap up. So if you were looking for us, all you have to do is go to gunfunny.com. All of the links to our social media, anywhere that our podcast is played, you can find there. We also have uh, a little store with gun funny stuff. We just actually we recently added a new T-shirt. Yep. What is that t-shirt, Sean? It says, I support gun bunnies. But then it's crossed out and it actually says gun funny. Ah, oh, crap. I messed up again. You didn't, you forgot to cross it out? Oh. All right. We'll go back and fix it. There's still time. All right. I will. The show doesn't come out for like another day or two. <laughs> okay, perfect. So there's that new shirt. And then we also have a support us link. So if you guys are going shopping, uh, I know, you know, the holidays are coming up. If you're shopping on like Palmetto or uh, Gun Mag Warehouse, even Amazon, if you use our link, we actually get a small percentage of that. So that's another way to help support the show. And then if you really want to support the show, consider becoming a Patreon. Absolutely. Patreon, uh, it's a pretty cool program. You give just a couple bucks a month, but you get a lot of extra access and uh, to, to the cast and just a, a cool little community. Our, our Patreon-only Facebook page is pretty fun. You get all kinds of prizes as patreons and you get entered into a lot more contests and extra entries into our other ones as well so it's definitely worth it definitely worth a buck or two every single month or even 75 whatever you know i'm not i'm not telling you how to live your life but you should you should do 75 and as a result because of your patreon pledge we're able to afford an editor who happens to be kenny ortega absolutely great job as always from kenny uh we've got some what do, what do we call them? $25 Patreons. And that is Corbin Bonafide. Yep. Iraq Veteran 8888. Yep. Charger Arms. Yep. Ryan Morrison. Yes. And John Snow. So thank you very much to the $25 Patreons. We also have a King of the Patreons, which is the person who gives uh, the most through the Patreon program every single month. Right now it's at $75. And the King of the Patreons that has a fresh brand new King of the Patreon shirt on the way is Two Way Jewels. And basically, so actually we're going to have him as a guest on the show next week. Yeah. So, so he'll talk about his products. But I was thinking, like, if you guys want to give a memorable gift, send to a jewels, a casing from a special moment, and they'll turn it into jewelry for you. Yep. He did it, really good work. He's oh, really he awesome. does. It's phenomenal. Like, it's, I mean, his attention to detail is just spot on. Yeah. Really, really good looking stuff. Because a lot of it, I think, a lot of the, the bullet jewelry that I see is, is corny AF, but... Two-way jewels is by far my absolute favorite. I've even got a bracelet that it's like a paracord bracelet, but it's got one of the one of the polished and, and gorgeous little shell casings as the clasp. It's pretty badass as well. So yeah. not just for chicks, they got stuff for dudes too. Two-way jewels, check them out on Facebook. Patreon.com slash gunfunny to become a Patreon and dethrone the king or just, you know, be a part of our little community. Tim Knight, it's Knight the number four NRA.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Timothy Knight. NRA on Instagram and Facebook. Indeed. All right, All right cool guys. Go follow them. Yeah. Hey guys, appreciate it. Thanks a ton for having me. No, thank you for being here, man. We yeah. always appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And I always learn something new, which 
Yeah, and we know you're super busy, so we appreciate you taking the time. For friends, I'll always do it. Aw. That's so sweet. That All right, so guys. Sweet. We're going to go be. kumbaya. <laughs> you <owe me. laughs> All right, here we go. We'll talk to y'all next week. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>